0: Hey, everybody. This is Mike from the One Take VC podcast. We talk to founders in emerging markets. Today on the podcast, we have Gustavo Anez, the co-founder and president of Coban in Bolivia. Welcome, Gustavo. Uh,
1: hi, Mike. Nice being here with you.
0: Wonderful to have you. So Coban's app and prepaid MasterCard basically provides access to financial services for underserved users, including money transfers, access to loans, bill payments, mobile top-ups. The company's on a mission to reduce complexity and revolutionize the way that money works in Latin America. So what's the origin story of Cobán, Gustavo? Let's, let's start there. What was the original pain point that you and your co-founder set out to, to solve?
1: Uh, yeah, um, most, most people around the world have um, a lack of access to, to financial services, right? Latin America is, is no deception, and, and it's even perhaps uh, deeper than other places like Europe. Um, in, in Latin America, uh, in Bolivia especially, you have around 12% of people that only have access to credit. Um, and about 60% of them have access to a, to a basic um, uh, checking account. So that, um, that lack of financial services is the pain point that, that we're seeing, uh, especially on the credit side.
0: Well, I mean, I think the World Bank uh, has a Findex 2021. It was talking about you know 68 percent of the country's population is considered banked in Bolivia, um, and it's one of these frontier markets that I know that investors are really interested in at the moment. Um, smaller than some of the countries in Latin America, right? It's about 12 million population, but really interesting dynamics that we're gonna we're gonna dig into. Um, so across across you know LATAM generally, I think I think it's like 70 million people, or like one in five people. Have access to an online bank account um and something that was crazy to me is that that credit cards right are not you know formal credit is not um not as accessible to 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 people in latam so for bolivia and then in latam how are people solving this problem now without without your product without you know the yeah. day before you guys are launching how are they solving the problem of informal credit for themselves
1: yeah um well you have you have a uh, two two parts you you mentioned, um that uh, the world bank index on 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 the findex i mean the on the on access to to a bank account that is true that is a uh, the bank um you know um uh, ratio however those people use the bank account to get a payment and then go to an ATM, get the cash out, and live their life informally. So even though they do have a bank account, they're not fully bankerized, they're underbanked as they they're not they don't have like a credit on, on the financial institutions, so they're not really banked. They use it only a, a means to to get their money out through an ATM and then go to a supermarket and buy in cash. If you come to Bolivia, you will see about 15 ATMs outside the supermarket, one for each bank of the financial system, so people can get their money out and pay inside in cash um so so even though only around 12 percent of people have access to credit um most of them like everyone owes money to someone right so banks i call it the the like the, the white you know um market for for money and then you have the gray market for money which is the casas de credito which is where you know, places where you go and buy like a microwave and they give you like uh, certain installment payments which is extremely expensive in terms of cost of capital for for the people buying the microwave, um, and that, that's I call that I call the gray market. And then you have the black mm. market, which is the loan sharks, right? That will break your legs if you don't pay on time. So most people get served by by the gray market or by the or by the black market.
0: That's a really good distinction. I mean to make between. You know, unbanked and underbanked—that they might have access to a financial bank account, but all they're really using it to is to withdraw cash. We see those numbers so much. So, thanks for correcting me on that. It's 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 good to clarify, right, the difference. And um, and then obviously, trying to keep as many consumers away from the black market, but the grey market's that interesting space. It's still 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 informal, but but uh, not not fulfilling all of the the, the customer needs. So when when Coban when Coban was set up, uh, looking at this financial inclusion um, problem to solve. Um who, who, do, who do you see as your, your primary customer? I mean, where are you starting with? Yeah. What's their profile?
1: No, you're hitting, you're hitting a great spot right there. Um, the, the, the great market is doing the installments for microwave buying. is consumer lending, right? Um, that is one sector right. of the market, which is completely underserved by the banks. Uh, however, consumer lending for us is not the focus right now. Uh, we're trying to focus on working capital. Manual uh, entrepreneurs, micro entrepreneurs that need working capital. For example, if you're an Uber driver and you need, um, I don't know, twenty dollars um, a week for your gas or, or fifty dollars a week for your gas, we, we want to be those guys giving you working capital so you can generate more um, more cash flow and, and have a better a better working um, uh, working you know, vehicle um, for you to to, to use it in, in a better way. So if you have access to working capital, you can buy that gas or extra orange to sell more orange juice or, or whatever whatever you do. So we're, we're aiming to, to serve uh, micro and nano entrepreneurs with working capital, which is completely different than the gray market is serving the, the, the consumer lending. I think that's overcrowded in terms of, of uh, there's a bunch of like Casas de Credito around Bolivia that, that do it very mm-hmm. well, um, but working capital needs are not covered at all, and those are the guys that go to the to the loan sharks to get the the legs broken if they can not pay on time.
0: Yeah, I mean it's crazy to hear those stories, um, but that's that's important to clarify. I mean, you, your primary customer is, is not the individual consumer that's going to these asset credit creditors. I'm going to pronounce that wrong, and people are going to laugh. But but the great the gray market, which is consumer lending space, uh, that you framed so well in the beginning. You're going after these nano entrepreneurs, these these micro entrepreneurs as your go to market, your first customer, um, and looking at working capital needs to help them do business, essentially, right? So help them buy the inventory they need, so that they don't have stockouts, so they don't have missed revenue opportunities, and then presumably as well, like building in some of these additional financial services that you can once you you have that transaction flow with them. Yeah, um, the, which the, is which is a super powerful.
1: Yeah, the the, the whole ecosystem, right, is, is is complementary to 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 the credit part because it, yeah. if you. It, If you don't have the bill payments, if you don't have the peer-to-peer transfers, there's no way you can build a credit product. You have to build a credit product within an ecosystem of uh, financial transactionality.
0: Yeah, and you see these really uh, fantastic high-growth models in India and Indonesia and Southeast Asia and places in Africa, too, of going after the nano businesses uh, to to sort of leverage their place in the ecosystem, too, because they're they're buyers and sellers of goods. They're right in the middle. They're well-distributed. And uh, they're hustlers. These guys know how to do business, but they're lacking some of the tools. And so if you can enter with them, enable their business, it lets you get into the ecosystem and, and hopefully as well add some add some benefit to the end customer as well. Yeah. yeah um, uh, well, uh, let's let's talk about, yeah, go ahead.
1: No, at the same time, uh, regular, I mean, traditional financial institutions haven't been able to serve this segment of the market due to a lack of credit technology to understand how they work and what the capital needs they have and how can they pay back and how you assess their risk on them so that's why they don't have the distribution channels, they don't have the current technology to serve them. So uh, technology will enable that and it will be a, a huge change in the financial uh, markets um, because we'll be able to assess the risk and serve them in, in a way that banks will not be able to do time soon. So we're actually not yes, competing this- against the financial institutions, we're complementing them with something they cannot do and bring de- those people into the financial service industry in a, in, in a way that is like clean and later can access a mortgage to a traditional bank or, or, or a car or, or another, you know, more of a traditional lending products.
0: Yeah, I mean, one of the questions I was going to have there is about positioning with respect to traditional banks, because they're the ones that hold the they're incumbents in the market and you try and think of like how do you enter this space? It might not be crowded in the same way that consumer lending is, but uh, they're a customer that certainly um, traditional banks would want. but by putting this data layer on top of these micro nano, uh, businesses and providing with these early services, you almost become a customer acquisition channel for the traditional banks for the other types of asset financing that you don't provide and other services that you don't provide. Right, you 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 get them on the ladder and then move them towards being able to access other financial services, not just traditional banks, but but sort of anything. Um, so that was that that's that positioning question for sure. Um, and then and in terms of your own customer acquisition, we talked about you as a almost ca- can become like a customer acquisition channel for traditional banks for the types of financing you're not offering you're a supplement, not a com- competitor. but what about your own approach to your customer the the nano businesses themselves? How have you been thinking through approaching them?
1: Yeah, we are uh, as we you know are approaching um, a market in which uh, funding is becoming uh, expensive and, and and we have the money is getting scarce we are uh, thinking about uh, executing a product like stra- product led strategy so we'll have the product be the best marketing there is and have um uh, try to have the as low as we can in terms of like customer acquisition cost um and, and the highest uh long uh, lifetime value we can um by having mm-hmm. the product that will uh, lead to that um strategy
0: and just in terms of a practical standpoint i mean you know early stage founders. Think they've figured out the problem. They've they've developed a solution that that is good enough to start with, right? So I'm not talking about you here. I'm talking about like you know people listening. They're 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 sprinting. They're ideating, Uh, but when they finally have to put you know their tires down to tarmac, they have to go talk to uh, the customer. Um, How have you gone out to the market and spoken with customers? How have you thought about um, acquiring them? as many as possible as cheap yeah. as possible what's yeah. the routes that you've taken
1: no we, we uh we have done a lot of research for starters um we talked with a lot of people uh we have a whole research team talking to people to understand their pain points and and what will drive them to to to, to a product that will like uh, change their financial lives right and at the same time we have talked to some companies that um work with these micro entrepreneurs and they have a um um, all of, of entrepreneurs are uh, all together so those companies that we're partnering with to have them uh, bring them access to to the financial services for example the, the working capital loans are key so those companies um um uh, they know who they are uh, they're helping us uh, try to get to, to to their to their to their clients and and giving them the access to to working capital to have an improvement in their in their life. Uh, and that's that. That's a key part. The partnerships we're doing with these companies that have these customers uh, under their wings, and those are, for example, some multi-level uh, marketing companies like um, that. They sell cosmetics, you know, and they have like woman nano entrepreneurs that mm-hmm. have uh, these side jobs that sell cosmetics. Um, so we'll give them the access to working capital, and um, and they are um, actually like. Almost like crying for a solution like like ours, so so they can perhaps buy more inventory and have a, a better a better rotation uh, with their capital.
0: Yeah, and it's it's that question is really aimed at not, not trying to find out exactly, you know, how is Coban approaching this about customer acquisition? Cause you're doing it. So <laughs> you're busy now. Right. Um, but it's more about this thing of like finding a one-to-many route that you, you can't knock on every door, uh, to get the ma- nano business to work with you. You've got to find a way that you can knock on one door to get many businesses to sign on. So it's kind of a bit of insight there from you of, of how you're thinking about doing that.
1: Yeah. The, 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 I mean, w- we identified one particular company that has around 15,000 uh, mm. that that do that um that work of like selling cosmetics on on a multi-level company mm-hmm. um so so we, we have a, a deep relationship with them for many years and i have worked with them in my previous lives uh in, in different ways so um we have a, a, a good trusting relationship uh, and they're trusting that our product will enhance their business and, and be a better for for their for their ladies that work in, in that um, segment well at the same time you know it, it it um, helps on a on a gender um, equality for financial services and, and, and work. So it's like many many birds with one with one shot, um, and, and we're very excited to to see this pilot go through and, and help us with a low cap, high LTV. Um, uh, approach you know
0: yeah for sure I mean you mentioned their trust and relationships right and you were talking about your partnerships building well let's talk about this this other side of trust is is your co-founders I know that you're building a uh, Coban with Julio and Vijay um how, how did you guys meet as a team and and uh how did you get together around this problem
1: yeah no my co-founders are are two amazing guys that uh help um help <laughs> uh get everything together um, Julio was the one that actually brought me into the idea of, of starting uh, Coban. Um, Julio and I are childhood friends. We know each other since we we're, were kids, right? Uh, we've always been uh, very fond to each other and, and uh, in a way that, um, you know, we exchange books, talk about philosophy, history, opportunities, like, et cetera, since we're like very, very young. Um, so uh, Julio actually was an entrepreneur before. Uh, he was a, he's a born entrepreneur. Uh, he did a, a, a very successful exit, perhaps the most prominent exit in Bolivia, um, uh, to selling his food delivery service app to Pedidosia, which is part of Delivery Hero, uh, back in like 2016, I believe, or something like that. And then he stayed in Pedidosia in Bolivia for the next few years as a managing director. Um, uh, so Julio and I had uh, that relationship. And then when we started, uh, we got our, um, angel round, um, and we started building common, we needed a technical co-founder. So we found Vijay. Uh, we talked to him and he uh, got very excited and jumped into a dream with us uh, without even thinking about it. So um, so for us, it was very natural. And, and the three of us uh, just um, uh, were like so complementary to each other. Uh, for example, Julio is, is a guy that is an expert on on operations and efficiency. Um, I know the financial system very well inside out and Vijay is like a mastermind technical person that could crack anything <laughs> technical so i admire my co founders so much they're they're amazing people and i'm happy to have, have them uh, in this journey with me i'm learning so much from them yeah right? it's I'm such an interesting so from them.
0: yeah and i I love hearing that that admiration that you have for them right like people ask all the time how do i found i find my co-founder and uh yourself and another guest on the show so something quite similar actually which is you know i was talking to to julio for years and we always sent articles to each other and we were talking about ideas and that's your co-founder, right? That's the person that you should look for in your phone book is who am I talking to every day about these ideas that I'm having over a period of years? It's not about, I want to build a business. Let me think about who the person is. No, no, no. You've been, you've been building this relationship with somebody already in your life, in your phone book for the last five, 10 years, go and think of who that is introspect on it. And then yes. Okay. VJ is a person that's coming in with that skill set that you're missing and it complements and it sort of makes sense. Now you're a team that can build this, build it and sell it. But the starting point is, who am I already, uh, having this, these conversations with, even if it's not around, I'm going to start a business. Like what's the business that I'm going to start? Uh, it's the interesting trends in the industry, right? That's, what's fascinating. Um, but beyond the, beyond the founding team, I think you're around 20 or 30 people now. And something that I found really interesting, that's it's a bit of a trend actually, I think is, is you're building remotely. You've got your team spread over Colombia, uh, Mexico, Ecuador, Bolivia, um, this seems like a bit of a trend in early stage ventures, working remotely from day one. Uh, how how do you manage that team? How do you manage building a culture in this early early days of the company with, with everyone remote? You know, are there challenges to it? Are there are there benefits that you see? How's that experience been?
1: No, it's 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 a it's a, an amazing experience building something from scratch, right? Uh, culture is such an mm. intangible tangible thing that that needs to be built for a company to be yeah. successful. You know, culture uh, kills strategy any 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 time um and um uh, or it, it's a for breakfast as someone says, says you know about culture but it's it's, it's,
0: it's good it's, quote yeah
1: yeah it's, it's definitely challenging it's definitely challenging as you have uh, different countries different cultures coming into together to build something about five fifty percent of our of our um workforce is all over the place right um also india argentina are, are part of the countries that, that we are at and um and coordinating not, not only the, the cultural part but also logistics you not know, ours holidays and everything is, is, is a big challenge. Um, but there's so much, many advantages as you can get talent that is not available in Bolivia uh, and, and build an amazing product with amazing people with an amazing team. Um, because one of the biggest problems in Bolivia is the lack of talent, right? So bringing talent, technical talent, um, growth talent from, from other places is what will enrich us and, and, and help us build a, a great product. Um, and, and with that, a great culture of work. So we're trying to to crack that, and i trying to. As we come from different backgrounds, I come from 15 years of banking. is we'll an entrepreneur. Bj comes mm-hmm. from the technical. So so everyone comes from a different background. So we have a, a, a very eclectic uh, background set for for everyone at the company, and we're trying to to, to find what's our uh, you know what's the common culture and how is it going to be. So it's, it's a challenge, but we're having fun uh, um, trying to figure it out.
0: I like the way that you frame that, right? there, There's benefits in the sense that you can get the best people. And then the challenge is, look, it's always a challenge to to build culture and then doing it over remote is, is going to be difficult, but uh, culture eats strategy for breakfast. And so if you don't get it right, you're not going to implement the strategy that you've put together. So uh, it's good to hear that you're giving that a lot of focus. Um, in terms of, just in terms of thinking about the time as well, we always try to get people out under the half hour, but, or try to, <laughs> Um in terms of you know the implementation of the strategy, you one of the, the 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 I think an early success that you had is the partnership that you built with Mastercard, um, and it, I think it's difficult to talk about Coban without talking about that partnership because I think it gives you uh, you know the rails and the credibility and the legitimacy to to, to build what you're building. Um, how, how did you approach building? building with or for an established player like mastercard i mean you can't you can't roll something out of the box low fidelity for a partner like that so so what was that experience like working with them
1: yeah um for, first of all the the half of the game in fintech is compliance right so if you don't get compliance right there's no way you can launch a product in fintech. you cannot break stuff as you're dealing with people's money right so compliance is extremely important Before MasterCard, we actually partnered with the largest bank in Bolivia. Um, I talked to almost every single banker in Bolivia, and the largest bank, uh, which is Banco Mercantil Santa Cruz, was the bank that uh, aligned philosophically, spiritually, and in a um, long-term orientation-type partnership with them. Uh, And that was our first partnership that actually led us to being able to launch our product in Bolivia. Um, given, Given that we're partnering with the largest bank in Bolivia, Help, of course, Mastercard see the potential on what we're building and, 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 and partnering with us, and also Visa is about ninety plus percent of the Bolivian market. So Mastercard has other incentives to to come and penetrate Bolivian market with a with a revolutionary fintech, right? So. Um, at the same time, uh, we really, really, really um, think Mastercard was the right partner, given that they have been part of Nubank, for example, success in Brazil. Uh, so they have a lot of learnings from from other other people we admire and we see, um, and we you know aim to be very similar to what they do and how they are. So um, so for us, the, those were the you know the, the considerations we had, um, and I think it was a very complementary. Um, situation as, as they were also trying to penetrate Bolivia, like I mentioned before.
0: You've got to find interest with your partners, right? Partners aren't just people you knock on the door and say, Hey, join me in this, this fight. You've got to figure out why are they joining me and sell it to them in those terms. It's not, it's otherwise it's an ask. It's not an agreement. It's not a a partnership. and and then you said you know they worked with New Bank, but they've also worked with other uh, uh banks around the world. I think they worked with Revolut, maybe in their early days. Um, certainly partnered partnered with them. Um, so they've they've taken this approach before. They've they've thought about markets this way before as their way to acquire customers. So um, it's fascinating to hear you apply that in in uh, in in Bolivia as well. Um, so. Just to, as we start to wrap up, just a couple more questions, really. But uh, you, you had a lot of success in, in, in fundraising around a year ago. You raised around $2.3 million in your seed round. Um, Bolivia is not one of the, you know, it's a frontier market, in your words. I mean, an emerging frontier market. But it's not the, the first market that will come to mind when people think of Latin America. Because I think people think of Mexico, people think of uh, in Central America, and, and they think of Brazil as well. Um, and then other countries in that region can can become like the junior layer right and so people don't think of it as prominently especially in the venture space so you know um kind of almost as as a chance to shout out here because you you attracted some investors to come in and and back you for bolivia and that's a great statement of faith in the bolivian market i think
1: no completely agree with you and the fact that uh, this this, these institutional investors these venture capital investors angel investors um are seeing what we're seeing for us is a it's a great sense of of we're in the right track right so they have invested in perhaps one of the smallest countries in latin america uh but the opportunity is so big that they're seeing what we're seeing so um they are they are um people that are changing the world right uh, are not only venture capitalists mm-hmm. but they also have a lot of impact in their dna and a lot of like uh, believing in in, in, new, in building new markets and, and being a market maker so um um, they, they, uh, we have about six or seven um, venture capital funds and about uh, five or six angel investors in, in our in our cap table, and, and they have been um, not only believing in us in the terms of like the opportunity, but also giving us the trust with their with their funding and with their and with their knowledge and their network. To being able to capitalize on it and build something amazing in Bolivia, so we are extremely proud to to have the largest round being done in Bolivia, and having world class investors behind us. Um, and just like Mastercard, they also have done it before. You know, they have invested in successfully neo banks all over the world, and, uh, and 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 that comes with it. So um, we we were actually not. Um, looking for just money, we were looking for smart capital, and, and it sounds very cliche, but uh, but we got it, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, we got it and, and we we did a hundred, around 100 pitches uh, for about two months with, with Julio, um, every day, like six, seven pitches. Um, and, and we actually handpicked who were going to jump with us into our cap table, um, and we were almost like recruiting VCs and not the opposite way around. So it was an interesting dynamic. So a big shout out to, to all our investors, that that believe in us and and will help us um, uh, enable and change the financial service industry in Bolivia.
0: That's great to hear. The number two. I've had a couple of other conversations where people talk about how many conversations they had, how many knows they had to get through. And in your case, you were lucky. You got to kind of uh, pick the smart capital that could not only bring money but bring some support and and market context that you that you benefit from. Uh, but it's great to hear that you had like a hundred conversations in order to to raise from around fifteen twenty sources. Um, not not bad odds, right? But I've heard I've heard a lot worse, uh, <laughs> Gustavo. Pretty pretty decent odds. Um, so. Let's uh, as we wrap up. Let's let's kind of zoom out a little bit and, and look at look at Latam and, and fintech. Um, you know, twenty twenty two was a huge year for fundraising in Latam fintech across the board. Um, what 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 do you think is really exciting in this space? Um, and and not not Caban because I know that Caban is exciting. <laughs> so everything everything else, sort of outside of the company, when you guys look around in the ecosystem, what what do you what do you see that you find quite exciting uh, happening on the ground?
1: Well. First of all, um, fintech, I think, um, um, yeah, around the world is a is you know it's, it's, it's a hype word, right? It's like everyone talks about fintech, um, and in places like Europe, for example, um, the, the space is, is crowded and it's like um and it's, it's very competitive. Um, Latin America is like almost like just being born. Uh, you have um, Walla in Argentina, um, and new banks in Brazil, and they're also expanding, right? They're going to Mexico, they're going to Colombia, so this big markets. So. And even in those big markets, the, the industry has been born. Um, so it's exciting to see um, how these big markets are changing the way the financial service industry is working and how we are, that is you know, having, having a positive impact in, in the neighbors as, as we are also bringing that change to, to smaller countries. Um and it's exciting because it's not only access to credit, right? It's a whole range of financial services, from factoring to to credit to transfers to to I don't know, mortgages, cars, like like anything related to to financial services is just being born in terms of, of technology-based uh financial services. So for, for us it's exciting to see insurance too, you know, like all these all these other other uh services, investments. Um, if, you are, if you are a regular person in Latin America, there's no way you can invest, right? So, so, so having instruments and vehicles for, 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 for regular people to invest is, is something amazing and it's, and it's changing and savings, you know? So, um, so we're, we're extremely excited to see the industry being born um, and, and, and in a good way with amazing examples in, in the neighbor. So uh, that's, that's the exciting part
0: yeah and i love i love hearing that it, you, you're kind of talking about something i've uh, i've been thinking around too which is this cross pollination of business models within fintech and latam right that that because it's nascent and and uh, fintech still being born in in latam in your words you see all of the different models start to pollinate across each other like you talked about lending platforms and then they can become digital banks and you've got uh, payment platforms or payment gateways looking at buy now pay later options or credit options you've got working capital providers like you being able to start with working capital and then branch out and and offer uh, embedded credit products or or become a challenger bank or kind of whatever it is that you become and so this kind of cross-pollination of the ecosystem is still still really active in latin america and you see the same in southeast asia you see the same Africa, uh, that that businesses start with where they where they start, and then they can grow out of that grow out of that uh, position. Um, well, so a couple of minutes left. I don't want to miss the opportunity to ask you. Uh, you've had a really exciting twelve months at Coban, uh, and you and the, the, your co-founders have been busy building, getting into the market. Uh, you finished raising your seed round last year. Um, you know you're you're active on the ground in, in Bolivia. Um, You've spoken about Ecuador and Paraguay previously, but I don't want to limit you to just, to just that. Uh, I just want to ask you what's, what's next for, for Coban? What does the next 12 to 18 months look like?
1: Yeah, no, yeah, they, they look extremely stressful, extremely fulfilling and extremely, uh, uh, exciting. So we hopefully are, um, turning on the lights, uh, in the Bolivian operation in the next, uh, say six to eight weeks. So hopefully, um, um, by by the middle of the year, we'll have Bolivia up and running, and with that, we will do our deployment of our banking core in Paraguay, where we have also a bank partnership with an amazing bank there um, that also believes in us in, in a in a way Banco Mercantil did uh, a year ago when we did our partnership. So we in the next twelve to eighteen months, we should have uh, Bolivia and Paraguay up and running, and start seeing um, and start planning the expansion for Ecuador and Peru, actually in the, in the next uh, uh 18 months so hopefully we'll have two countries up and running and we will have our first set of um Uh, customers um, using us for our working capital needs and having a a very nice uh, portfolio of a a current portfolio with with them.
0: Really exciting. I mean, first of all, can't wait to have you back on in a few months when you start to see some of that customer traction and we can talk about KPIs and and growth. Uh, But sounds like a really exciting, well, what did you put it? You said a really exciting and stressful uh, 12 to 18 months. I think that you're probably right about the stressful and I agree with you about the exciting, definitely exciting stuff. Uh, Well, Gustavo, I don't want to take more of your time I really appreciate you coming on to the podcast today. Um, definitely expect an invite again so we can hear how you're doing in the coming year. And uh, good luck to you and Koban and the team.
1: Thank you. Thank you, Mike. Great talking to you. It's been a pleasure. and looking forward for, for our next conversation.